Hey there. Thanks for joining me on Comedy Masterclass, where I interview creators about the craft of writing comedy. Today, I am excited to have Kelly Pantaleone with me. Kelly is an Australian actress, filmmaker, and philanthropist, which I think is a super awesome combination. And today, I get to talk to her about all things comedy. So Kelly, for those who don't know you, what are some of your connections to creating comedy? Yeah, I started out at the Upright Citizens Brigade. I took their Improv 101 class and I really, really loved it. Um, so I started with improv and from there I, um, I actually created my own comedy short film called Fifty Shades of Quarantine during the pandemic because... You know, we all had so much time on our own and we're all losing our minds. And I thought, why not capture it? (laughs) Um, So it was like this quirky quarantine comedy of six different characters that we had been singing throughout the pandemic, like the alcoholic fit chick who was teaching workout classes with a bottle of wine um, that was actually based on, you know, a friend of mine that was doing happy hour yoga Zooms. (laughs) Um, Amazing. (laughs) <laughs> the conspiracy theorist who's out there searching for aliens, which was myself after watching um, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which is a documentary about aliens. So they were just like, you know, amplified versions of myself um, during the pandemic. And um, yes, yeah, so I made that. I actually premiered at the Portland Comedy Film Festival and did the international comedy circuit uh, for film festivals. And then... From there, I really wanted to continue um, focusing on comedy. I did. I actually did a comedy short that made it on the. Um, it's a comedy site called Hoo Ha Ha. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks started that, and so, <laughs> so I did a comedy short that um, was featured um, on that site for their Halloween specials. Um, and then when I moved back to LA, I got back into improv. Uh, school and I wanted to try out Groundlings so I actually auditioned for Groundlings and got in there. Amazing I'm gonna have to ask what was your audition like for Groundlings because I've heard different stories of of what's asked of you how did you find the audition process and maybe if for people who don't know about Groundlings tell us a little bit about who they are and why they're so awesome as a training. Yeah so Groundlings is iconic because a lot of Saturday Night Live stars got their start there Um, and you know, I think I would have been really intimidated if it was in person, but it was actually still like at the tail end of when everyone was still doing like Zoom classes. And so the audition was actually on Zoom. So it was really like no pressure because there was nobody except your computer screen in front of you. So I was really relieved. I think I'm also one of the weirdos that just loves that everything's moved to Zoom because um I'm lazy and I don't like driving places (laughs) um and um it was just so like yeah chill because there was no pressure of having this audience in front of you that's amazing and um what did you learn from your sort of first foray into the groundlings what because I've had a few different guests on so far and we've all talked about improv and how useful it is I'd love to know what is it that has drawn you to improv and why are you focusing on it now as such an important part of that ongoing comedy training yeah improv is definitely the best acting class I've ever taken because not only does it help with all facets of acting and every you know genre of um you know film and tv that you might end up going out for but it also helps in real life I actually started Um, UCB because a friend who's not an actor really wanted to go um, because he thought it would just help him 
get more confidence, you know, public speaking and just thinking on his feet is in business. And it really does. Like it helps you out in job interviews. It helps you out in meetings. This helps you out like in any sort of awkward situation, (laughs) any sort of situation where like you might be arguing with, you know, friends or family and you want to just dominate the conversation and just flip the script. Improv's great for that. Highly recommend it. Yeah, I agree. And I'd love to um, circle back to those characters that you mentioned, the six characters in your short film. I, I wanted to ask about their creation process because they're all so distinct. And what I really like about them is each of them does put their finger on a particular kind of truth, but without it um, seeming, I don't know, almost like cruel or exploitative, which sometimes it can, particularly when people are focusing on women and making them into caricatures. So that makes sense to me that uh, you were basing it on a friend, you were basing it on yourself. Was there anything else that helped you with that process to to find the comedy, but to um, still make them so like women like myself will watch them and find them funny rather than alienating? Yeah, I think the key is you definitely have to seem like you're on their side, like you believe in them. Um, And that kind of goes with any kind of character you play. You have to believe in, especially with villains. I love playing villains. But you have to like really believe in their mission. You're not, um, like you said, you're not trying to make fun of them or exploit them. You actually genuinely believe in what they believe in. So for instance, um, there was a, like uh, the vlogger. Let's, Let's go for her. Like, she really loved mm. waking up looking beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she woke up with like a full, you know, face of makeup and she was really into how she looked. Um, you have to have fun with that. You can't like just be poking fun at it. You have to have fun while you're in that character and really believe in it. And like she just really genuinely wanted other people to wake up feeling beautiful, <laughs> despite the fact that, you know, she had a full face of makeup on and it wasn't natural. But you just have to really like believe in, in your character and what their mission is and how they're trying to um, help others. Like the the alcoholic fit chick really genuinely believed that she was helping people, even if it was working out with alcohol. Like, even if she did have a problem, she was still trying to, you know, help people get fit while they're drinking wine. Yeah, I love that. That's such a simple, clear way of explaining it. That, you, that makes so much sense. I love it. And how did you think about um, structuring it so that it holds together as a whole short film rather than sketches? I could see how um, there was further thought required to keep it moving. It it looks so simple the way that you put it all together, but I'd love to know what your process was for taking it from sketch into something that was really cohesive and did have a bit of an arc, which I love. That's interesting. I've never really thought of that. Probably because I was filming it over three months during the pandemic and I filmed about 90 minutes of footage. So it was really Mm. just following my own journey, I think, during the most intense um, period of lockdown where we're all stuck at home. And so I think that's where the maybe the natural art came from these characters because I was really taking my time and filming this content while I was actually doing these things, like while I was actually working out while I was um, like, you know, a family friend came to visit and she's she does makeup. And so she did my makeup really well. So it was like, it just organically happened. It wasn't really like, I wasn't actually, like nothing was written. It was all completely, mm. you know, improv. Nothing was staged. Um, I didn't even have tripods. I was just literally using my iPhone on like 
the the hippie chick when I was out in the woods. Like I was just with out in the woods mm. with my phone and just you know filmed whatever I wanted to. I, I didn't even set it up. Didn't even have a tripod. I was like setting it up on like tree stumps <laughs> and the things that I was finding, like the the um the saw that looked like it was covered in blood. <laughs> like I literally just found that in that moment. <laughs> like nothing was set up. Um, and then I have to thank my editor. Um, Jared Curtis, he was incredible. He he really made it cohesive and made it seem like it was a storyline. And he was an editor on Life of Pi. So he's like incredible at what he does. And he somehow, I just sent him all the footage and he managed to make it work. Amazing. And I love that. It's really interesting to know what the process was behind that. And it makes sense to me then at following your journey and that you shot that much footage and then condensed. We do like get this distillation, but we do believe that they're characters living off screen, living the rest of their lives, which doesn't always happen in sketch. Sometimes it, it you know, it, 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 because it can be such a quick process, sometimes it's a really fun idea, but we feel like that characters literally just come with that prop and that costume. Whereas yours, they did feel like real people. I could imagine them walking off camera and what they would do next. And that's lovely. Lovely. That's really great to know. Look. So were you in Australia for the pandemic or were you already in LA? Um, it was a bit of both. I was actually at my dad's place in Northern California filming all of this. And then I came back to LA. I did a movie and a series. And then I really wanted to visit my family in Australia. And it was still somewhat locked down here, but Australia was completely open this was the first round when Australia like really nailed it and got it under control and it was completely open and free and while America was still like fighting about masks. And so I thought, okay, I'll go visit my nephew and my family who I haven't seen in two and a half years, usually visit them every year. Um, so, you know, I'll go be a, a good daughter, a good sister. And I arrive in Australia after a 14 hour flight and two weeks in hotel quarantine, two weeks in a hotel by myself, I actually loved it because it's a long time. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> I requested a view, so it was a it was a nice spot. But anyway, spent the two weeks in hotel quarantine, a nine hour train to get to my hometown, and then like, well, it was actually not even my hometown; it was still two hours from my town. So it was like it was a voyage. It was a spirit journey. It was a um, adventure of a lifetime. And I get there, and then within two weeks, Australia goes into lockdown. So it was awful. My my two month trip ended up turning into six months. Um, I was not volunteering to stay in Australia, but it's just how it happened. And yeah, it was it was rough. I'm not gonna lie. My goodness, yeah, that does sound rough and amazing that you managed to still siphon through so much creativity that's something that I really love about you from what I've been uh, reading and also that I can see in the work that I'm seeing that I can find snippets of online is you seem to be so good at catalyzing things and self-generating projects and being really proactive as well as like figuring out how to be part of an industry like in LA and with an agent what advice do you have for other creators um when it comes to being proactive self-generating and how has that helped you do you think in in establishing the career that you do have yeah I was told this probably within a couple of years of moving to LA and, you know, classic didn't listen to the advice until like I was really in a situation where I had to just create because my mental health was suffering. I was told from the beginning, create your own content. I was like, but do I have to really like 
Look how pretty I am. Why don't I just get cast? <laughs> Won't people just see me yeah. and see that I'm good at acting and hire me? No. There are way too many pretty people out here, way too many talented people. And the people who really do make it are the ones who are so um, innovative and creative and just go out there and make their own shit happen. So the first time I really made a short film that mattered to me was um, living up in Vancouver. And like I said, I was just in a really bad place mentally. And I had to move that energy somehow. My Lord. Um, so I, I put that energy into this short film that I made and that was the most opposite of comedy. That was a, a drama about mental health. Um, so which, you know, I always try and sprinkle some lightness into it, even drama, you know, bit of levity definitely like helps, um, improve any storyline, I think. So, yeah, I just, I kind of was forced into it then. Um, not forced. M my mind forced me into that situation. <laughs> and then um, coming back and then in the pandemic, it was like, well, there was no, like no one was shooting anything. And anything that was being shot was like, you know, such bare, like skeleton crew, bare minimum. And I thought, okay, so this is actually a great opportunity to shoot something then because there's no pressure. I cannot have a full, you know, cast and crew. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to do it on my own. So they did kind of come out of situations where I didn't really have much of a choice. Um, but moving forward, I really want to continue to create my own content. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And are there any sort of like really independent, inspiring comedy creators that you love and that you look up to who are self-generating their own work? Um, there's, I mean, I actually grew up watching a lot of sketch comedy in Australia. We had a, quite a few TV shows like Chris Lilly, I absolutely love. He did um, Summer Heights High. Was it Trailer Park Boys? No, that's the, okay, that's the Canadian one. Um, there is a name, if you look up Chris Lilly, I'm, I'm so bad yeah, at like, not even no remembering what he's called. But he did a lot of different like comedy sketch shows. Um, so I loved all of his content. Amazing. I'm going to have to look him up. because. And did you say he's Australian? Yes. The show is Australian, although they, they had a lot of Kiwi cast. So I'm not sure if he's from New Zealand or Australia, but we like to claim Kiwis as our own sometimes. Just not that. Yeah, <laughs> solidarity. <laughs> no, but that's great because I think also some... Sometimes comedy can get so um, siloed. Like I'm aware that um, there's all kinds of British comedy, like I'm in the UK, that just doesn't particularly get seen outside the UK. And then some will like find its way across the Atlantic or some will just be remade across the Atlantic like The Office. And I often think there must be so much fabulous comedy that's in Madrid or that's in Brazil that I just never see. I mean, I think that's changing. And that's one of the things that's amazing about having so many online creators where we can see people's work. Um, but I love that. I mean, I, I haven't seen Chris Lilly, so I'm definitely going to go and check that out now. That's awesome. So yeah, I'll spot him sometimes on, sorry. Yeah, no, you go for it. I was just going to say, I'll sometimes spot Summer Heights High clips on Instagram. So I think it kind of made it over here a little bit. Oh, and Kath and Kim, that was another classic Aussie comedy show you have to watch. Amazing. Right. We'll have to check out those tips. And are there any other shows that you're watching right now that you love? They don't have to be Australian or Kiwi. They can be anything. What comedy shows are you enjoying? Oh, Shrinking is so funny. 
I'll be honest, I was not sold on the trailer, but then somebody in the industry who I really respect told me it's a great show. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. It is so bloody funny. I'm actually laughing out loud and like chuckling all the time, which even when you watch something funny, you know, you like clock, oh, that was funny. Or you'll you'll think, oh, you know, that was humorous. (laughs) But you don't actually laugh. No, this one has me laughing. And what, what's the difference do you think was, because uh, again, I think sometimes like, I really appreciate all kinds of comedy, but to get me to like really laugh out loud in comedy, like when I'm watching something is quite challenging. I often feel really bad. <laughs> I'm the person sat there going, hmm, that's, that's funny, but not actually laughing. So what got you to laugh out loud? Do you think, is it the characters or the setup? What do you think? Yeah, I think when it's so natural and it's such a human response and it's so awkward, when somebody's acting awkward, I think that's the funniest. And it's just a very natural situation. And just their response is like they're just trying to play it off. But the way that they respond just makes it so much worse. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I love that. And so in terms of where you are in 2023, I know you're involved in so many different kinds of projects. What are you excited about as a creator? Well, I'm in the Web3 space. That's... Um, I work in Web3. That's kind of my, you know, my day job and something I'm really passionate about. And through that, um, so Web3 covers, you know, NFTs, crypto, metaverse, AI. Through that, I ended up being cast in a lot of different animated NFT series. And what I'm really excited about is with NFTs, um, you when you purchase the NFT, and this is not for all of them, so like hashtag not all NFTs, but for the most part, you get to own the IP. So I will actually be purchasing these NFTs or these characters or these like faces and these, you know, um, different, you know, animated characters who I would love to play in series. And maybe I'll even produce them to be in a series um, of my own. But I really like to collect them based on something I would like to do voiceover for and eventually turn that into my own content as well. So doing voiceover is really fun for me. And you know, tying back to the fact that I'm lazy sometimes, you know, you don't even have to do your hair and makeup. You just show up and it's just your voice. It's so great. That's great. I'm getting this lovely picture of you now. Like I only do Zoom. In fact, I only do Zoom with a video off. In fact, <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, for the most but, part. Um, yeah. Um, But I also love that you're open to the Web3 space. I, I am too. And some people listening to this might be saying, what words are they speaking? Isn't it all awful? But actually, um. I love in um, all the things I've read about you that you are a real innovator, whether it's in the philanthropy space, whether it's in the generating space. And I think Web3 and NFTs fits right with that. Like, There's a lot in the space that can be um, challenging or problematic. There's a lot of questions. There's lots of things to be answered, but there's also tons of opportunity, tons of amazing creators, tons of new ways of doing things. So it's very forward looking. And I think it's so smart that you've already, yeah, that's how we met. (laughs) So I think it's great that you've already got your eye on some of these IP and I can see how that would be so fun for animation and voiceover. Are there any comedy animation series that you particularly love? For example, I have to admit, I do really like Rick and Morty. Oh, I was going to say that. (laughs) Were you? Okay, that's good. Tell me. (laughs) But I also love, but I also love like, Shout out to the OGs like Futurama. Um, Futurama oh, was a great, okay. you know, animated series that I used to watch 
it was one of the few that actually made it to Australia. And The Simpsons, like, you know, any sort of um, show that really has commentary on the current world and, you know, climate and society that we live in, like South Park, you know, shows that really talk about that, mm. I think, are quite clever. Um, they're not just like silly, you know, mindless entertainment. Um, but I also like, you know, something like Adventure Time, where it's just it's a little bit absurd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know from some of the projects that um, you've spearheaded and been involved in that you do have like a real interest in a wide range of different social issues and you really care about the impact that you're having what do you think comedy has to do with that? Because it might sound like it's kind of separate, but I th think there's all kinds of ways in which it makes sense that they fit together. Yeah, well, that's what Fifty Shades of Quarantine was. And if anyone wants to watch it, it's just 50shadesofquarantine.com and you can watch it there on the site. And it really was commentary. I think we have such a responsibility as filmmakers. And like you said in the very beginning, comedy has a beautiful ability to cut right to these very serious issues or or not serious always, but it could be something that's like people just don't really talk about or they don't feel comfortable highlighting. But comedy, you can do that. You can get away with it. Like that's why I love watching stand-up because they're talking about very political issues quite often or very serious um, problems in society and that people don't really feel comfortable talking about because they might feel like they'll be, you know, shunned or judged. But comedy, like comedians can do that in a way that's entertaining and that's, you know, it's funny and they say it in a way where it's not so harsh. I think that's, um, I think Aussies and Brits actually, we have a ability of, of like, well, British, <laughs> Brits are a little bit more harsh in their delivery. <laughs> but, you know, um, there's certain cultures where like we really were able to, to talk about serious things because the way that we say it or the openness in which it is portrayed and received isn't so confrontational it's it's really more of a um you know you're making a joke about it or you're like playing you're being playful with it so it's not something that's like oh do i have to talk about that this serious thing that's gonna make everyone so serious and like depressed you know you see in a way where instead of making people sad that you're making them happy and laugh it's magic it is magic i quite agree <laughs> And that's, uh, I think, a lovely place to land with regards to um, getting a bit of an insight into behind the scenes and how you create and what you're up to and what your vision is. Before we wrap up finally, I'd love to know, though, if there's any advice you've been given that you found really helpful or applied as it comes to comedy or craft or being a creative. Yeah, something that my improv teachers um, have taught me really well is like, you don't think about yourself. Oh, my God, I'm going to sneeze. Mm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Bless you. That's all of them coming to haunt me of, like, I taught you better than this. I have better advice than don't think about yourself. <laughs> Sorry. Look at me. <laughs> Just making it about myself. Um, no, you really focus on, you focus on the other and listening. That's the most important part when acting and anything to do with comedy and especially um in improv and stand up like really pay attention to the audience and really pay attention to your colleagues and and people you're on stage with because you get so much live information that if you try and like stick to your script or stick to any sort of idea you've got in your head 
you're screwed because you'll all of a sudden you'll be in your head you're trying to present a certain way say a certain thing and you will forget that in the moment that's not how humans are like when we're in a conversation we are so aware if you're a good listener which most people in LA are not so pay attention oh (laughs) Um, (laughs) when you're in a conversation you really pay attention because if somebody reacts odd or differently you're gonna completely change the way that you're speaking or you might even be like oh what did you think of that or like you okay like you know we'll always pay attention to who we're communicating with so the same is for my cat almost fell <laughs> stay safe oh no um, <laughs> hopefully she'll come make an appearance Doja. yeah you knocked him over with your sneeze it's the reverberations yeah. i think oh yeah it's still going that's how strong my energy yeah. is <laughs> the vibe. um yeah. no there's, there's, there's big vibes um no there's crows big crows like giant crows i don't know i think they're eating children here in la massive and i have a fire escape so she's like really paying attention to them um but yeah it's it's good we've had a pet theme so far in this podcast last last interview my dog um was treating two guinea fowl that were tapping on the window like they were burglars so it's all good this is the comedy slash animal uh, intervention podcast my mom has guinea fowl they're (laughs) the most obnoxious loudest creatures ever (laughs) She was woken up by them one morning at like 6 a.m. or something absurd. Should be illegal. And she like just run out there with a gumboot or something like, you know, boobs flapping. She didn't care. She was just like on a fucking <laughs> rampage against these getting Oh, my goodness. Okay. That's a very strong image <laughs> to end no, on, which I love. I get no. no, I am. I'm actually the least funniest person in my family. I have to tell you, my mom. My older sister and my younger sister are all so bloody funny. I just try and like, I just try and absorb as much as I can and be just a um teeth function. See, like making up words, just trying to be as cool as them of of how funny they are. Now I'm I'm imagining that we have to do a redo of this podcast like around Christmas time or something and have the whole Pantaleone family come in. That would be amazing. Oh my God. Well, it's actually (laughs) women of three different families. So my mom is in Australia. My older sister grew up with her father in America. She's in North Carolina. And then my younger sister grew up with my dad in North Northern California. So it's like three very funny families. And I'm, I'm like at the bottom of the ranks. Let me just tell you. Oh, I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> no, I think you're just very Facts. humble. But that's wonderful. And I think that is really good advice um, about listening. And uh, okay, so everyone in LA, listen up to Kelly. Stop what you're doing and listen to Kelly and do what she says. If people want to connect with you and find out more about your work, including your hilarious short film, which I so enjoyed watching, where should they go to find you? And of course, I will put this in the show notes too. Yeah, so I am quite proudly the only Kelly Pantaleone out there. Um, if there's any others, just please just sit back and be humble and let me have the spotlight in this <laughs> lifetime. So um, you can find me on all social media platforms as Kelly Pantaleone. Um, it's a very long and obnoxious Italian last name, so definitely look in the show notes on how to spell that. Um, <laughs> but it is actually spelled exactly how it sounds, so... Americans just need to learn how to spell, I think. Um, and I have Fifty Shades of Quarantine dot com up online. The uh, drama that I made in Vancouver that I mentioned earlier, it's also online. Um, 
it's 40 seconds. So it's 40 seconds.com. And that's based on the statistic that every 40 seconds, somebody commits suicide. I should say somebody dies by suicide because committing suicide mm. was a phrase when it was an illegal thing. Um, so it's a very backwards, old-fashioned term. So, um, yeah, you can find that at 40seconds.com and then also on my YouTube, which, what do you know, is also under my name, Kelly Pantaleoni. It's such a good name. It just makes people happy just saying it. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Kelly. Thank you.